Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Denver, Colorado, it's time for Franchise Bible Coach Radio. Now, here are your hosts. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this edition of the Franchise Bible Coach Radio Show with Rick and Rob. I'm your host, Rob Ganley, and I'm standing in solo today for Rick Grossman, the author of the Franchise Bible. And we have a very special guest. Uh, before I get to that, I just want to quickly thank our sponsors, uh, Franchise Bible Coach and Entrepreneur.com for, for supporting the program. <clears throat> and with that said, I want to jump right into uh, talking with our guest. I want to introduce Dustin Hansen, CEO of InExpress. Uh, Dustin, how are you today? I'm super great. Glad to be here. Thank you for asking. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I tell you what, one of my favorite questions for you guys that, that run franchises is always, how did you get there? How did it all start? What was the vision? And a little bit about who you serve in the marketplace. Yeah, great question. So we were founded back in 1999. Actually, we started the business over in Manchester, England. So we started across the pond and then we uh, began our global expansion in about 2006 when we opened up uh, in the U.S. and from there, we've scaled into 14 countries in total. And um, really what we were looking for is a way to better serve the underserved small and medium-sized businesses that are in the different communities throughout the world. And we recognized that in franchising, we could replicate a small business owner selling and servicing to a small business owner. And we felt like the franchising model allowed us to maximize those strengths that really you can't compete with in a direct employment kind of model. And so that's really been kind of the secret sauce for us is our great franchisees as small business owners selling to small business owners. So our specific focus is helping small business owners reduce their cost on shipping and logistics. We partner with the major carriers like DHL, FedEx, UPS, and we're able to give these small businesses discounts they can't qualify for on their own because we've got a huge global spend. And then our local franchisees, they're also to service that uh, small business, that medium-sized business, if they have specific questions around shipping as well. So that's how we got started. Uh, we've got just over 400 franchise locations throughout 14 countries. Of those 14 countries, Three of them are master franchise, but the other 11 we own directly and we have management teams in country. So a little bit different than some franchise models that are out there, but uh, that's a quick intro to who we are. That sounds real good. So yeah, I mean, small business to small business, that's very interesting. So just thinking about that, right? You know, the, being, being a business owner myself, um, yeah, that sounds like it would be a huge gap, right? I mean, most, most businesses, if they go to the FedEx store, they go to some just direct, it, it's a whole different game, right? That's right. It's exactly right. When, when a small business owner, first of all, when they go to a carrier directly, that carrier is going to give them discounts based on what their spend is. The more you spend, the more discounts you get. Right. Um, that's where an Express comes in is because of our global consolidated spend. Now our customers, these small, medium-sized businesses get discounts based on our spend, not theirs. And that allows us to be able to negotiate those rates down. In addition to that, when the, the small business goes to a, a carrier directly or a UPS store or something like that, it's not a personal service. They get access to a 1-800 number and they can make a phone call and they get you know, in, in the queue in the line for service. Uh, and that rep doesn't know their business. 
Well, with us, our, our customers can call their local franchise owner and the support staff that that local franchise owner has, and we take care of any kind of problem resolution while, the, while our customer gets back to work and focuses on their business. So it's not only the discount savings side, but really saving them a lot of that time on the resolution and being able to advise them on some things that maybe they don't know about that can streamline their supply chain process really starts to set us apart than you know, a customer going direct to a, to a big carrier. Yeah, yeah, that, that's, that's amazing. Uh, and I could see where that, you know, that personalized service and that understanding of the client's business model is so key, you know, especially if they're doing things regularly and needing that regularly, right? Rather than repeat it over and over again and pay more to do so. So that's really cool. Well, I tell you what, it, you know, that kind of takes us to the next question. And I, I, this is one that um, uh, it's been a bit of a roller coaster ride, right? Uh, we are in, it is August of 2020 now, and uh, it's been an interesting year for all of us. And so this is a question for the CEO, right? This is, a, I wanted to ask, you know, how has your leadership style, how has COVID-19 affected, you know, from about March or so till now, August, how you've, you've you know, led your company, uh, supported your franchisees, and, and tell me a little bit more about that. Yeah. Well, I, I consider myself uh, more of a relationship CEO. Um, if you're looking for a financial CEO, I'm probably not the guy. We have good CFO and accounting folks. So I'm a relationship C, uh, CEO. And I, and I think that's really what a, a franchise or CEO really needs to be because that's the relationship in franchising. It really comes down to those personal relationships you have with your franchisees. So I think for, for me, the leadership um, style through this whole pandemic has been critical to really um, uh, exemplify that to the next level, to make sure that I was inclusive in listening to our franchisees as they were on the front lines, understanding what the small business community was going through and the impact, understanding how we could better serve that small business community and making sure that the franchisees had my ear at all times, not only so I can empathize with them and help them through any challenges that they might have, but to understand more clearly what it is that we as the franchisor needed to do to assist the customer base that we have all around the world. And one of the things I think that came from that is our franchisee had a good idea of a share and care um, emblem strategy and really to say, how can we go to the small business community and educate them on resources that will help them be successful? It will not be financially uh, beneficial to us and express but if we can help small businesses survive and thrive, then it will help us in the long term. And of course, that's the right thing to do. So the leadership style that I needed to make sure that I executed on was to take the good ideas that our franchisees had, paint the picture of uh, the opportunity we have to make a difference in the communities around the world by helping small, medium-sized businesses survive as much as possible and get to a point where they could thrive again. And we did that all under our share and care strategy. So whether it was, you know, the PPP loans, getting experts on that, making sure our franchisees were experts on that so we could teach our customers and potential customers and those small businesses in the community how to access that program, the EIDL loan or whatnot, um, that was critical uh, really for us. Um, in addition to that, it was really important for me as, as we worked with our internal franchisor team to ensure that they were up to speed on the latest information. We didn't want to just be a command control, hey, let's do this, let's do that. It's really, hey, here's some articles that we need to read as a staff, and this is what our franchisees are facing every day, so that when they call us for support, 
we can empathize more and we know their frame of reference so we can be better at supporting them. So I think that's really what, what needed to come out. Uh, and of course our franchisees can be the judge of exactly how, you know, I did and the team did it execute against that. But I felt like we were, we were on the front foot and we got ahead of it so that we could better serve the franchise network and then those that they serve. Wow. Yeah, and so that innovation, where do you see that in the future, the care and share uh, idea? Is that, I mean, let's just fast forward into the future. Would it be something that will still be there in a way? I mean, obviously, it'll still be there for the foreseeable future. But, I mean, do you think now you've evolved your business a little bit because of it? I, I do, yeah. I think one of the things that we didn't do a great job of before is really looking to what would be most valuable to our small, medium-sized business customers uh, to them in their business. Yeah, yeah, we could help save them, you know, dollars and time in the logistics and shipping space. And we stayed really focused on that. But there's so much more that these, you know, businesses out there need. And again, it's not financially beneficial for us directly to say, hey, have you thought about using this resource in order to help streamline HR? Um, but that's what they need. And if we can add more value in doing so, then of course, it's going to make us more valuable in the eyes of the customer and ultimately create a deeper relationship with that customer as well. And it took this pandemic and this share and care um, thought process uh, to then now allow us to, to um, you know, evolve that into the future so that we're doing more of that consistency, consistently long-term. We've always had our InExpress Gives Back program, which is there to give back to local community through a charity type of arm, but we didn't really cross that over uh, to a share and care type of mentality. And now we're going to be able to do that. And that will also lead us into possibly then partnering with other companies that will access more revenue streams for our franchisees. I mean, there's a lot of different things that that can help, you know, guide and lead us to, which we haven't done in the past. Yeah. yeah it opens a lot of doors. I mean, we, we, we've had this conversation quite a bit over the last few months. And one thing that's come out of it, the silver linings, is, is really the innovation, right? The forced thinking, the creativity. Uh, one, one statement was made that, you know, you, you might be, you know, in a different situation. You're shut down or you're limited in what you could do, but there's still so much value you can bring. You know, you just think through it. What can we do? Now, I'm, just, I'm assuming you guys were considered an essential business, right, because you're in shipping. So that you, you were continuing to operate, but your customers were suffering, right? And so, you know, you were forced to innovate and do some creative things that now will benefit everybody in the future, right? So I think that's amazing. But tell me a little bit more about the franchise owners and how, how did this impact them? And sort of how did you guys respond at the home office at the brand level uh, in, the, you know, in those early stages? And, and, and has anything come out of that? I mean, anything new, any new findings about how you communicate or how you support them? Yeah, so I think uh, talking U.S. specific for a moment, and I'll talk, touch, touch on how it impacted some of our other country operations as well. But uh, from the U.S., we were really, um, we're lucky in that we're in that essential business space. And while our typical shipment volumes for the normal shipments dropped about 30 to 40 percent, our revenue actually slightly increased during the pandemic because our franchisees were able to pivot and help the business community bring these PPE type shipments in, right? Gla uh, gloves and masks and hand sanitizer and uniforms. And so we were quickly able to recognize that our small business customers and the community at large needed these types of items to come in and come in quickly. 
And specifically in Asia Pacific, there was such a backlog coming out of China where so much of these orders were being pressed through, we were able to help identify for our customers other manufacturers in Vietnam and Malaysia and Indonesia that could also produce these same kind of things and then find the capacity to bring them in. When the, when, at the height of the April, March, April, May timeframe, uh, because there were no commercial flights, as many commercial flights, I should say, therefore the capacity to actually move freight around the world was greatly limited. So now you had a huge backlog in shipments that couldn't get out of the countries as well. So the first challenge was to find manufacturers that could make you know, these essential items that we needed to protect ourselves. But in addition to that, to actually get them now into uh, the country. And again, our franchisees did a great job and we were able to help educate them. Here's suppliers and manufacturers and we're able to find capacity on planes because of our size with our partners like the DHLs and UPSs of the world to get these shipments in and get them delivered so they can be used by the community at large. So our revenue as a company actually held an increase slightly because now we're moving heavier shipments for our customers that were coming a, lot, a, a great, much greater distance. And that allowed our franchisees to maintain their profitability at the same time giving back and feeling good about what they did. Now, in some of our countries like India, it has such a hard lockdown that our shipments went from somewhere about a thousand shipments a day to zero because there's nothing was moving. And so we took about a seven week period where there was just nothing moving around. But we kept our franchisees every day on phone calls and talking about stay in touch with, you know, different businesses and stay in touch because eventually this is going to open. And when it does open, we need to be prepared to serve. And sure enough, that eighth week, it opened back up. We were there to serve and our shipments have skyrocketed past the previous mark that we had before this thing really hit. So it was really educating our franchisees, helping them make a pivot. Now come August, we're seeing all those regular shipments start to come back into our network and we're helping our businesses move the typical shipments we saw previously with an increase in e-commerce, because of course that's really catapulted. Um, and these PPE type shipments have now kind of wound down. So our shipment volume is back up. Our revenue is, is holding again slightly up from uh, the same period before. Uh, and our franchisees have been able to be real resilient and, and hold on. Yeah, I love that. I, I heard servant. I heard serving. And I, I think servant leadership, right? We talk a lot about that idea. Uh, we also talked a lot with brands over the last few months about stay in the game, stay, communicate, provide value. It might be a pivot from what you normally do, but stay in touch with your audience. They need you, you know, and when there's a time for you to come through, you'll have that opportunity. And you know what? And I'm sure you're thinking this too, is that your customers won't forget you guys at all. Like this will be permanent in their mind that you guys came through with shipments that were so much more important, right? Than anything they had in the past. So that, that was a great opportunity for not only to continue to keep your revenues coming in, but have a lasting impression on your clients, right? Well, yeah, and lasting impression for our clients, you're spot on. But I also think it really created a different feeling within each one of our franchisees. Um, you know, shipping and logistics typically isn't considered a very, you know, sexy business, right? Um, we're moving, you know, five pound boxes from A to B. Really, that's when you cut it and slice it and really look at it. But by our franchisees knowing that they have taken part in protecting people, that really makes them feel good that they really are connecting stories and connecting people and, and helping them become safe because of what we do. So I think it really allowed our franchisees to be even more emotionally 
spiritually, mentally bought into the fact that they serve and they love the Inexpress brand and what, and what we do. Yeah, that's really, that's really great to hear. I like it because I feel like that's energetic. It's motivating. It keeps everybody moving forward and gives them a reason to keep moving forward, right? So tell me a little bit more, you know, it's a nice segue, you know, and obviously as CEO of the brand, you have eyes on growth. You're always thinking about that. Uh, tell me a little bit about the franchise development side now going into the future. What do you see? You, know, you have a team around you. What are you guys seeing in terms of expansion and, and opportunity there? And what can you share with the audience related to franchise opportunities? Yeah, I, we, we're in a really prime position. Um, some of the strengths that we have as we look at franchise development is that we have actually been doing virtual trainings with our franchisees for the last year and a half. Um, so we, through this whole pandemic time specifically, we've been able to find, uh, go through the discovery process, including discovery days, um, virtually with our candidates, be able to have them sign a franchise agreement, train them virtually, and they get on the phones and start working customers right away. So we are not impacted at all in the franchise development, training, onboarding, and success of a franchise uh, at this time. Now, as things open up in the future, that'll just accelerate and provide more opportunities for us to interact with folks face-to-face. -face. So we've been lucky in the U.S. specifically, uh, we've brought on 19 new franchises so far this year. We'd expected to bring on about 20 for the full year. Of course, we're in August now. We've already uh, about surpassed that number. So we are really excited about where we are. People see the value in the InExpress franchise opportunity, and we're seeing good quality people that we want to partner with uh, come available so that we can help partner and bring them into our community. Um, we, we see that accelerating even further in 2021. We have a very aggressive objective, but we feel like we have the strength to more than double the number of new franchises we bring in globally, including the U.S., but in every country around the world. Um, we're seeing a great aggressive growth in Canada, the U.K., Australia, Vietnam, Hong Kong, and in our German operations in Germany and France and in the Netherlands, um, in South Africa. So we're seeing a great number of new people that have come to us. And, and we're selecting, we're being very selective, but we're selecting really good candidates coming in. And again, because our unit economics are so good and our franchisees have the ability to make a really good lifestyle for themselves, it was really around just making sure that we could demonstrate that even in a virtual type world, it doesn't impact us at all. The benefit that we're seeing with our new franchisees as folks are looking for a franchise offering, as they come into an express, that small business and medium-sized business community have their doors are open more than they have been to talk to folks like in express that can help them reduce costs and streamline their service. So our customer acquisition rate is actually increasing quite dramatically and that cost of acquisition is decreasing. So we're getting more customers more quickly at a reduced cost that allows our new franchisees to go to a really good start and build a really good base of business that they can then reinvest in and grow with. So what we see that as a really healthy, time right now in our history for franchise development and we see a really good healthy opportunity in the future as we really strive to double that that number of new franchise operators that come in and a big part of that is the fact that our new franchisees can get off to such a great new start wow there's a lot there's a lot of power in what you just said i you know i know that there's a lot of forces coming together uh, more people available right people being laid off people let go these are these are good people and they think well what can I do? What's my next thing, right? Uh, and then you have a model that really is, I mean, you would have said this before, recession resistant, it's, it's, it works in most, but this is probably even better, right? I mean, it's, it's 
I mean, you've got cost of acquisition on the other side, lowering because businesses want to reduce expense and work with providers like you and say, we got to do this better, right? They're finally waking up. There's a player like you to help them, right? So it's, it's all coming together. And that's, you know, one thing Rick and I talk a lot about is just the, the idea that the franchise industry can be a big player in the recovery of the economy. There's a shift of people moving around. There's no doubt that's happening, going to continue to happen. And we just want to encourage more people to look into franchise ownership because we need them, right? We need them to create jobs, create, you know, find a better place if there's nothing available where they were. So anyway, that's great to hear. I'm glad that you're, you're thinking about doubling next year. I hope you triple. I don't know. We'll talk again, I hope, and uh, go from there. So uh, we're going to wrap the show up, but I'd like to close the show uh, out with <clears throat> the final question is normally, you know, and this could be geared towards potential franchise owners, like new franchise owners, uh, audience, or your colleagues, other CEOs. Uh, uh, is there a nugget? Is there something that when you get, came into this thing, you were, you know, obviously a lot of us had a lot of uncertainty, weren't sure. Is there anything now that you're five, six months later that you've kind of picked up like a gold nugget or something you said, yep, that was, I'm glad I stayed focused on that or I learned this. Any aha moments or gold nuggets you want to leave with the audience? Yeah, I think, honestly, I think it's just about simplicity. I think that we can get too creative. We can look for silver bullets. We can start to really get too wide in our thinking. And I think that um, during these kinds of times and, and just in general, simplifying our businesses, simplifying our lives, simplifying the way we think about things, you know, going back to the basics of creating good habits and time blocking um, and being disciplined, I think that simplicity makes the difference at the end of the day. I think one of my mentors, the CEO of DHL Americas, um, said to me over and over again, Dustin, ask yourself the things that you should stop doing. Yeah, yeah, ask yourself the things you should start doing, but remember to ask yourself the things that you should stop doing and just get back to the most simple place possible. And that simplicity then creates an opportunity for the highest level of, of execution. And at the end of the day, when you've got a good culture, you got a sound strategy and you can execute, then, then nothing's going to be able to stop you regardless of the, the obstacles that come in your way. You know, we always say obstacles, I think, uh, you know, Zig Ziglar said this, but, you know, obstacles are what you see when you're not looking at your goals. And so if we start to get unfocused, then the obstacles will seem much bigger. So let's just keep it simple. Let's focus on where we need to go. Let's simplify everything we possibly can, make it easy to operate, makes it easy to execute. And then let's just all work together as good people that have their hearts and minds into it and, and then just get to work. So I think that's probably my, my best party message. Wow. I love that too. And I got to tell you, I heard it this week <laughs> from another coach, right? Really successful entrepreneur, super, super successful guy. And he, he harps that point, that focus point. And I think the reality and the simplicity point, right? The reality for us as entrepreneurs or CEOs or anyone in any position is in today's world, it's easy to get distracted, right? It's, oh, there's a next best thing or it's a better way to do it. Or, you know, it's like you said, instead of looking at what we can add, what should we be taking away, you know, and, and staying in the eye of what, our, what we're the best at, right? What our strength is. So I think that's amazing, amazing advice. I appreciate that. Well, Dustin, I, I really thank you for your time today on the show. That's going to do it. But uh, once again, uh, uh, Dustin Hansen from InExpress, thank you so much for being with us. I want to thank You're our welcome. audience. You're welcome. Uh, I want to thank the audience again for tuning in. Be sure to tune in for our next uh, program. 
And again, remember, we like to say here at Franchise Bible Coach, keep fighting the good fight and bye for now.